This is the Anime DGens with Weekly Rundown 12. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's weekly rundown. Uh, we're going to be watching the exact same shows we did last week, so no need to introduce them. But before we get started, uh, we were all talking and we kind of wanted to, you know, see, get your guys' opinion on something. So who has High Dive? Because we're watching a High Dive show right now, Insomniacs After School. And I kind of thought about it that High Dive is kind of like the black sheep of the anime watching websites. For sure, for sure. And I'm not sure who actually has it. And we're watching this awesome show, but we want to make sure that what we're talking about is, you know, available to our listeners without having to go spend another seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a month, whatever it is. So hop in the Discord, linktree.com slash anime degens, and let us know if you have high dive. That's all we're asking. It's not not that much to ask, you know. We're just trying to get a gauge on what you guys have that way. We're not making you listen to it to us talk about a show that you can't watch. But uh, so hop in, let us know, and we're going to get right into it with Mashal, episode three, Mash Burn Dead and the Baleful Bully. Hell yeah. And Mash continues to cheat his way through classes at the Magic Academy. Cheat is a strong word. His magic is muscles. <laughs> That's cheating, bro. He's supposed to be using magic. That's straight up cheating. This cheating catches the eye of a very privileged douchebaggy student who begins to take advantage of him. Mash catches on eventually and shakes up the power balance. So I guess to get started, um, what'd you guys think of this episode? I thought it was pretty, uh, me, me, uh, personally, I thought it was the best one yet. Uh, it done the comedy very well. I laughed like quite a bit in the show, but it actually has some serious moments too. Well, kind of serious moments. This show doesn't really get serious. I don't think. No, not really. So. It's, a, it's, it's pretty <laughs> comedy heavy. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought it was really good as well. We got some real conflict. You know, Mash had to get a little serious. Um, and to this point, he's really just been fooling everybody outside of the first episode where they got a little serious. Um, so it's good for him to get back to that. And I think we're learning a little bit more about Mash's personality, which is, I think, is really cool. You know, we, we kind of figure out he's a little headstrong and he'll do what needs to be done, uh, I'd Definitely. say. Definitely. I think one of the first things that really just lets us in on Mash's personality is how oblivious he is. So he's going to class to learn how to fly on a broom. And instead of buying a broom, he literally buys a tree root. <laughs> the old burdock root. Yeah, no, he's he's an idiot. <laughs> and uh, his his roommate, Finn, is just like, what did you just say to me, man? You thought that was a broomstick? That's a root, bro. What is up with you? So, hey, man. yeah, he's, same, he's same. Pretty, he's pretty silly. Hey. Ben's probably over here just like, how'd this dude even get in this school, bro? A hundred percent. I've been watching the show, and I'm not too sure myself. I'm not either. Uh, but so Finn is nice enough to let our boy Mash here borrow a broom for this class. And um, getting into that, you know, so basically, you know, Magicless Mash over here has no business trying to fly a broomstick. So he's trying to make it fly into his hand. He's saying the spell and he's like, of course, this isn't going to work. And 
but he's trying anyways, though. That's just, it was so funny to me. Yeah, he tried it first until you know until he got a little creative, which I, I didn't expect him to even do that. <laughs> maybe he thinks just being around people with magic, maybe he can conjure up something or something. Maybe it just clicks one day or something. I don't know, man. Hey, he'd be OP know. if he did, if it did, though, for real. <laughs> it's just him being oblivious, man. But, I think so, yeah, that's right. So while he's doing this, one of... I can't remember his name. Is that Farman? Uh, a little. Oh no, that's the VP. Yeah. Well, one of one of the we'll get to him later, but one of the dude's little cronies basically comes up and starts giving Mash some shit. Like, oh, you can't even pick up a broomstick, bro. And then Mash decides just to like ground stomp. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> at full power, and the broom goes up into his hand, and then he says the spell, and the dude's like. That's not how it works. You, you can't do that. Like, you said the spell after you got the in your hand. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> One thing I didn't realize was that it would be so obvious that he's not using magic throughout the show. I thought he was just going to be, I thought he was going to be a little bit smarter. And I thought he's going to find, like, creative ways to really actually hide it. But I think all his classmates, the teachers, um, even the grandmaster, like, really know that he has no magic whatsoever. He's just a, a, a good guy. Just a freaking strong boy, dude. Yes. With a heart of gold. So after he, you know, quote unquote, magically picks up this broomstick, the teacher announces that they're going to be doing races. And this was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in like an anime period. Like I was absolutely cracking up with this. So the crony basically challenges into a race he's like this kid doesn't know what he's doing i'm gonna kick his ass so we yeah. get to the oh go for it yeah i was like and and the crony i don't think they actually ever say his name i was looking for it in the in the uh, subtitles when i was uh watching but he's been flying brooms since he's been in like early middle school like as a little kid and he's like this guy doesn't even know how to lift a fucking broom i got him <laughs> like he's washed bro <laughs> No, you're good, man. So this crony challenges into a race. So him and Mash line up. The teacher says, ready, set, go. And just in a flash, Mash is in the other side of this. Like nobody has any idea what's going on. The teacher's like, holy shit, this is a new world Guinness World Book of Records right here. Like this kid is insane on the broom. And then it goes over to her boy, Finn, who's <laughs> like, Mash threw the broomstick. And then jumped on it. <laughs> it rode his momentum to the finish line because he's just that strong. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, is that actually even possible to do? Like, once he got the weight on it, like, it would, you would think it would just drop, bro. Well, it's basically he was just continuing his jump and just grabbed the broomstick. So his momentum is still going. So, physics wise, it does kind of make sense. As ludicrous as it is, physics-wise, it does make so a little sense. Stupid. <laughs> I don't know if physical physics-wise, it does make sense. Because how do you throw something and then jump on it? <laughs> it's especially pop. going at that speed, though. Like, right? No, it like it. it like uh, until we got to see it through Finn's like POV, like you couldn't even. It was a blink. Like it was literally like a snap, and he was done. Because I was wondering, like, how is he going to pull this off? I keep having to wonder that, and he just keeps showing up with something else. It's just dumber and dumber well, and dumber. That's the thing, though, is, like, we're saying it's dumber and dumber, but actually, it is just so incredibly smart how he's <laughs> bullshitting his way through everything. You know, like, 
Because the normal person wouldn't think, I'm going to throw a broomstick, then fucking jump, grab it, and fly through the air. Well, that fair, those mash muscles, though. A normal person ain't benching out 20,000 reps before breakfast, so. Big swole. True. Yeah, let's spit it, spit it 500 pounds around his knuckles while he just squats. <laughs> this man's crazy, bro. Like, yeah, yeah I, so, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really expect that. Like he, like he said, you can't really even tell what happened, and it was just over before you knew it. And I, I, I got to give it to like the creator, so the mangaka, like. He comes up with some creative shit to get mashed through these obstacles. Honestly, big brain stuff. Yeah. It's top notch. Yeah. And then I guess like after that, uh, the, the, the crony gets pulled aside by, we, we later learn his name's Floyd Cavill. And Floyd is like, you had one job. You couldn't even beat him in a broomstick race and just dogs on this man, beats him up. His fist gets bloodied. And then I forget what happens immediately after that. Well, that's... When he, you know, at the end of class, he approaches Mash, right? Oh, yeah, that is right. Yeah, he approaches Mash, um, kind of tries to intimidate him a little bit. And he's, well, and he, like, invites him to hang out after school, right? He's like, hey, you're a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't you come meet me here after school, man? Let's talk. I think you're a funny dude. Um, little do we know at that time that he's, Lloyd's a freaking menace, man. And, that, and you're right. That's when we see him, like, beat up the little crony. Um, and the guy's pleading for his freaking life. I think he actually like sews his mouth shut so he can't talk and yell while he's doing this. With magic, dude. Oh my yeah. god, bro. It was a lot. But then one of the best parts is right after that, you know, it's when Mash is supposed to go meet Lloyd and he just completely blanks on this and he's up cooking some good old cream puffs in the kitchen. <laughs> Always. Always. Always with the cream puffs, bro. He's, he's got a two-track mind. Divine, visionary, and cream puff. I wonder how he stays so swole just eating cream puffs. So, like, I feel like he needs more protein. I think, dude, he's probably got the protein powder in the mix, man. Yeah. I, protein bro. cream puffs. Hey, he's Genius. drinking some milk, bro. He got that milk, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Alright, guys. I have a million-dollar idea right here. Okay. We go to Japan... And we start a line of protein-filled cream puffs, and we just throw Mash's face on the box. Okay. We're rich. Wait. We'll be <laughs> there rich might be somebody already week. doing this, though. I guarantee there is, dude. They have to at this point. Oh, I'd be selling cream puffs off this shit. <laughs> shit. Cream puffs and doors, bro. Get, get them both in the same <laughs> spot. Come on now. <laughs> do you pull your door off the hinges daily? Well, do I have a product for you? It's called New Door. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, there was no door joke this episode. It and I'm a little it. disappointed by that. He opened the door correctly for once. He must remember how this one works at his dorm room. That's kind of bullshit. Did he actually open the door? I didn't, I didn't even see him open the door. There was one scene where he opened the door, I think. <laughs> he's learning, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, he's learning something, at least, man. He's learning something. <laughs> yeah so we we end up learning that everybody at the school is afraid of lloyd um and the reason being he's the son of a high-ranking member at the bureau of magic they like rule the realm or whatever um that's where all the the divine visionaries go to work and they that's what the school's for they provide them with employees we found out during this episode and so 
what happens is Lloyd starts trying to mess with Bash's life. He doesn't show up after school. He has a target on his back. Um, he's becoming a little bit more popular. And Lloyd uh, tricks him and says, hey, I can put it in a good word for you so you can become a divine visionary. My dad's a very powerful man. And uh, Mash ends up being a lackey for what seems like a, a long time. He's like cleaning up after the guy, taking his books uh, from class to class, him and his cronies. And he's really just humiliating Mash. And then we kind of start to figure out that Mash's textbooks keep getting destroyed mysteriously. Um, Tyler, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Or? Did anybody did anybody actually guess what was actually happening? Who was actually doing that before it showed? No, I 100% thought it was Lloyd somehow, but I didn't think, yeah. like, the way that they did it was kind of surprising, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I did not think uh, it was the case. Um, so, yeah, Finn ends up doing it. And yeah. really, it's because of the intimidation from Lloyd, because the power that his father has, you know, being at the Bureau of Magic, he can get people kicked out of school. So I think even, like, the teachers and definitely the other students are very, very afraid of him for that reason. Yeah, it well, definitely. I mean, Lloyd is BFFs with the uh, the VP of the school, yeah. so that is right. He got you it know? in his pockets. He's a lackey too. That's crazy. All the way got up the ladder. Got a lot of power, man. Mm -hmm. But so it shows up later after Mash has been kind of you know carrying textbooks and all this kind of stuff. That um, during this whole thing, he basically says like, "I'm really lucky to have a great friend like you, Finn," because he asked Finn to borrow his book during class because he doesn't have one because it's been torched and um at this point finn realizes like how much of a shitty person he's been and he goes to confront lloyd and basically be like hey man i can't do this anymore you know like mash is too good of a guy i gotta stop and that proceeds to lead to lloyd you know beating the shit out of finn basically like she's tragic too crazy magic to tie him down and make him start bowing and smashing his head on the ground super fucked up but mash sees this happen and mash goes well mash on him <laughs> he throws his head into the fucking concrete <laughs> and then he uses magic just swolled up and basically knocked him the fuck out by just leveling him onto the ground which was awesome i was kind of surprised that uh mash got that violent so fast like, I thought he was going to handle it a little bit different way, but apparently not. This yeah. man, he's just out for blood, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I meant earlier when I said we're learning a little bit about his personality. It's uh, yeah. it's really interesting. I Yeah, like, I thought he wanted to at least talk it over beforehand, before just grabbing his hair and throwing his face into the, into the ground. But <laughs> now that I think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like, Mash is not a talker, you know? No. Like, or, do we think he's going to try to mediate something? He knows one thing. And that's muscles. So yeah. he handles that. And then the VP actually comes along and is like, I will kick you out of this fucking school so fast it'll make your head spin. And Mash starts burying him in the hallway. It's so <laughs> funny. He's like, oh, you want to kick me out? Well, remember, I can always just bury you. <laughs> and he, it gets super dark, man. It's hilarious, though. It, it was <laughs> absolutely insane. It just shows Mash with his, like, hands digging through concrete blocks in the floor and then putting the vp in the ground and just start throwing dirt on top of them and it's the one of the most ridiculous things you'll ever see happen ever and what what's crazy is that uh 
uh, he he says like if if I get if my body gets chopped up to pieces, it doesn't matter. I'll crawl to you, and I will still I'll bury you after I get to you. Like that's that's wild. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Mash is taking no shit, and I really respect that. And he's been consistent with that the whole show so far. Even from the the headmaster, everybody. He's not he he he's talking his talk the whole time. I really enjoy that out of him. Hey man, he keeps don't, it a buck. Don't fuck with a country bumpkin, dude. Can't. Especially you can't. not him. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after go, oh, go for it. I, I was just, gonna ask you guys, is um you guys think that's gonna be a problem for him down the line? Because I assume he's going to meet more powerful pe- people later as the show goes on. You think you guys? He, you think he could get in trouble off that? Well, so I was going to say, so he gets called in front of the headmaster for doing this, and the headmaster basically he has like an ex- expulsion form in his hand, and he's like, "Eh, I fucking like you, kid," and just burns it. <laughs> I'll take care of the paperwork. You're staying in school. Do your best. <laughs> and. Do y'all think that's going to have, like, any repercussions on the president or, like, uh, MASH or the school, like, in the future, like, going up against the bureau like that? Oh, I think we're going to probably see it in the next next couple of episodes. Yeah. Uh, I don't, like the headmaster was saying, like, uh, the people that kind of, like, run the country or the world right now are very, uh, how, w- how would you put it? Um, authoritative? Authoritative. Concerned yeah. about themselves, uh, a lot of nepotism going on, as we can see with Lloyd and and his father. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of problems from that. But you know, the Grandmaster, Headmaster, whatever his name is, is very powerful himself, and I think he's going to try to protect Mash as much as possible. But I think it's Mash's way of doing business is going to get him in trouble at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he's going to come up against somebody that he can't just beat. You know, it's going to happen. Oh yeah. So. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you guys, now that we know that the academy that matches at furnishes, you know, the Bureau of Magic with Divine Visionaries to work there as employees, what, you know, how does it, how do you think this plays into what Brad Coleman is making MASH do in becoming a Divine Visionary? Does this change what you guys see his, his, uh, motivations are? Well, I was going to say, I think old Brad's end goal here is to just get his job back at the Magic Bureau. By putting MASH in charge, Ooh. he can get his job back, and then he can go live the good life again and not just be a street cop. He can go back to being a very powerful man and having all the perks of that, you know? That's true. He, he can get back to his glory days, running off dragons and whatnot. It's a very good point. Yeah, if he actually ever did that. Facts. He couldn't even beat MASH. <laughs> Cool. But do do y'all think this is like a uh, like a alternate anime version of Harry Potter though? Does it does it bring you those kind of vibes? I mean, you're definitely getting massive Harry Potter vibes from this. You're also getting massive One Punch Man vibes. Like, yeah, I'm getting some Satama vibes. I can't speak on Harry Potter, but yeah, I, I can see some One Punch Man vibes here for sure. For sure, it's kind of like a brainchild of those two you know, shows or movies, shows, books, whatever you want to call it. And um, I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's been really fun so far. This has probably been the most fun anime of the season, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. I've been funny. having a good time. And at the very end, it looks like they're about to play some freaking Quidditch. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So bef- before you move on, I just want to go to that. The fact that MASH... <laughs> 
gets recruited to the, the the Quidditch team, whatever they're calling it in this, is ludicrous because the man can't even fly a broom. And the episode ends with him just standing on the ground while he's flying around. And they, people just start throwing trash at him like, if you don't want to be here, bro, get off the fucking field. And I know the <laughs> next episode... It's just going to start with him jumping in the air ludicrously and saving a shot or something like that, or like punching somebody in the face, taking down the other team's captain. I have no idea, but it's going to be hilarious when it happens. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for it. This will be my intro to Quidditch, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it will be. I know what like Quidditch is just because Harry Potter is like a, it's so big, but I, yeah, I've never seen the movie, so it's, it's, it's going to be my intro. I feel like you just got to sit down and watch Harry Potter, man. Oh, man. I, 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 at this point, I don't really want to. Um, but maybe Mash will, will, will get me into it. You have to have another bet. Bass needs to watch Harry Potter. Oh, and, <laughs> and uh I don't know what else we'll do, but... <laughs> Speaking of which, we still got to make uh, Tyler watch a very terrible anime. So, guys, join our Discord and... and Give us your best. Well, I re- really, I guess, worst recommendation for an anime. We got to make Tyler watch it. Best worst anime. Uh, yes. Three three to four episodes of it. You know, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. I think a movie would be good. You know, nice two hours. Two hours of his life he'll never get back. <laughs> Love that. Love that. But, but guys, awesome. let's, 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 get, uh, let's get to the next one. So we'll be going over My Home Hero episode four. The world of violence. So a mm. quick uh, summary of this one is Tetsuo makes a deal with a member of the Yakuza, which includes working together to find uh, Nobuto or his killer by that Friday. Otherwise, Tetsuo is going to get framed for his murder and killed by the Yakuza. Um, so we get into the beginning of the show and it's pretty much uh, Tetsuo and uh, Kyoichi. Yeah, I'm no trying idea. to figure... Yeah. Kyoichi, uh, trying to, huh? yeah, what you said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much talking, and Kyoichi's threatening him, and they're they're trying to figure out how they're gonna go about finding Tetsuo's killer. Sorry, Nabuto's killer. Um, <clears throat> and what the what I thought was funny was like at the beginning, and we go back to when they actually made the deal. Kyoichi says, hey, keep, keep your phone on you. Keep it on. I'm going to call you. And anytime I call you, if you don't answer, I'm going to burn your fucking house down. Which is very aggressive. And, uh, and we kind of figure out why that is later. He said that with multiple motivations. And it was, it was actually really, really creative. And Tetsuo says it himself. But first, well, then they go and meet with Ibiki. Nabuto's real girlfriend. They go to a very high end. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gentlemen's club, Wh- whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> they in the red that light district too, for real, for real. Yeah. <laughs> one of those, one of those bars you see in anime where uh, it's the sad guy and there's like 15 super smoking hot naked chicks around him trying to make him feel better. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're just going there trying to get some more information about where uh, Nobuto might be because. You know, Tetsuo knows he's dead. He freaking killed him. But uh, Yoichi has no idea where he is. Or so we think. Yeah. Yeah. And so they meet with Habiki and they start just talking to her. And there's a scene where 
this was hilarious in my opinion. Basically, they're talking and Habiki starts talking about his other girlfriend at the time. And he's basically like, oh, no, that's just for work. You know, Nabuto said she's a terrible lay. You know, she's just all over him. He hates her, all this other stuff. And you can just see our boy Tatsuo here just visibly shaken. Yeah, he, he was fucked up. It can, was you just, so sad. can you imagine hearing that about your daughter? Like, that's <laughs> the last thing you want to think about about your daughter. Oh, yeah. And he didn't know um, Rika was getting two timed either. So that no. was news, and he's sitting sitting next to the person that 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 he's doing it with, and it's like it's a huge shock to a man. That must have hurt a lot. It's just crazy that like uh, she she like knew about Rika and had conversations uh, to Nobuto about Rika, and they was supposedly in a serious relationship. Like that's just that's. I mean, that must be like gang shit or something, like Yakuza <laughs> shit. Hey, man, it Maybe must she's be, too scared. Dude. Players got to play, brother. He was going for the inheritance, you know? Yeah. He's done this a few I, times, it sounds like, you know, I mean, from what they've said. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Nabiki, uh, Habiki said that uh, he cheated on her at least, what, three or four other times. And we know he's just going after money with these girls. He's, 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 he's abusing them and losing them. It's really sad, actually. I don't know about losing them. He's throwing them in the trash, dude. Well, yeah, they're, they're getting lost, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, during the conversation, our boy uh, Keo, that's what I'm going to call him from now on. I don't feel like saying yeah, this whole fucking name. Keo. Um, he kind of walks away and he ends up actually spying on their conversation. He bugged our boy Tetsuo's phone and he's listening in. Um, but Tetsuo's no fool. He's like, he probably is. So let me let me let me talk it up. And he puts on his salesman act and asks uh Habiki a bunch of questions uh about maybe what have happened. And she actually reveals some information about how Tetsuo could frame him. Incidentally, um, they had done a job uh, like a year and a half ago, and Nabuto actually came in before the job got done and stole the job, got the money. And his cohorts had fled the country. But Tetsu was hearing this like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I can make them turn against him. This is fantastic. Yes. And um, actually during the conversation, the bug kind of messes up and Kyo can, can't hear a thing. Uh, so he only heard the first half of the conversation. I think that's right. Yeah, what yeah, a I shitty think... app, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did say, I hate this app. Yeah, I think I think our boy was uh like purposely rummaging around in his pocket to make it uh make it oh, seem yeah. like staticky, you know. Remember he had his hand in his pocket. He was trying to make it uh make it where he couldn't hear uh what she was talking about cuz he's trying to figure out what he needs to do. Like he he says that he's got three options, you know, framing someone, making it look like he run off, or making it look like an inside job. So he's trying to figure out what he needs to do. And she just gave him like a killer reason. Like it's the best alternative in my opinion, you know, framing the mob or Yakuza. Well, yeah, not that though. But I mean, thinking about it, it's like, why wouldn't you let Kyochi hear that? Because then it sounds like Nobuto ran off to out of the country with his other cohorts. Cause he has, you know, a bunch of money offshore and he could have just fleed the country for that, you know? Like, it's like, come on, man. Like, you had your out right there, and you ruined it. Yeah, but Kiyoshi's pretty smart, though. Like, 
he's he's gonna look into it and figure out that it's not actually true that it was an inside job. So so our boy Tetsuo's got to actually set it up and then present it when it's set up. That's true. So mm. that's my opinion on it. Yeah, he's withholding information and yeah. letting them find out, quote unquote, that way accidentally. He can, uh, Frame it better. Ooh, our boy, something serious, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, man. That boy, something else. I got to start reading a lot of detective novels in, in case I ever get put in this situation, you know? <laughs> I think you'll be all right, bro. I think you'll be all right. <laughs> and like going back to the beginning, uh, Tetsuo starts keeping this a secret even from his wife because he knows it's a little bit too dangerous for the rest of his family to be involved in this. Do you guys think that's a good idea? He's kind of going. I want to say rogue here because he didn't have any more accomplices. Uh, he didn't have anybody to rely on to confirm stories anymore. You think this is a little dangerous for him? You think he got he has this under some good control? Oh no, it's definitely dangerous for him, man. You don't fuck with the yakuza. What do you mean? Bro? <laughs> well, more dangerous. I'm trying to say more dangerous. I guess his thought process is that it's more dangerous for him, but he's taking that off his family. I mean, he just found out last Go episode shit. that his wife was like suffocated with saran wrap to get her to talk and everything else and i think he was like this has gone too far i, I need to get them out of this you know that's fair seems yes. like a, a pretty wise decision in my opinion yeah speaking of like his wife do you think it was uh do you think it's wise to keep uh the whole situation the whole deal you know by they got to find out by friday or else um from his wife because it seemed like he was trying to keep it a secret from his wife Y'all think that's a good idea or not? I think he'll figure out figure it out. Um, I probably would have asked for a little bit more time. A week or less <laughs> seems a little bit aggressive. Um, you think the Yakuza, the Yakuza, he's just he's just glad that he got a chance to live, bro, because he got told he was gonna die regardless. Yeah, that's true. So. He didn't have much negotiating power, so I might have just said yeah too. <laughs> he did have the blicky in his face. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Make you act different. <laughs> the blicky. The blicky. The gat. <laughs> the gnawing. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Well, I never thought I'd talk about I never thought I'd talk about the blicky in anime in the same sentence. <laughs> but yeah, after after uh, the conversation with um Hibiki, something happens that we kind of don't I did not expect at all. So they're in the 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 the, the whorehouse. It's a whorehouse. Um yeah. and they're saying we're losing a lot of money and they slap down a bill in front of Tetsuo for 10 million yen. And he's like, "Bro, I can't pay that. I can't pay that." And they give him like a few options. Uh one you have to pay, which he can't do. Obviously, right? Two, um what was the second option? I know the third one was do a job uh, for us worth this amount of money. Yeah, I think it was something like uh, pay, die, or do the job. Something like that, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, there was only really one option, and they had to do a job for them. And I kind of I kind of got a little confused about what the job actually was. There was some kind of deal going on on the highway, right? So what I was really confused about was the, the fact that they not only chose to pick on Tetsuo, they chose to pick on Kyo, too. And they were like... It was both of them together. Um, as far as the bridge goes, it was like uh, there was a third party, and they was uh, they showed up, and the other two parties was making a deal, and he wanted them to intercept the uh, 
the other two parties package and I guess get it and take it back to him or something like that. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So what I thought this was, you know, after watching it transpires, this was all a setup. You know, they were throwing Kyo under the bus as well as Tetsuo because, you know, that establishment has to be owned by the Yakuza that Nobuto is a part of. If if his girl is working there, you know, he made the connection, all that kind of stuff. True. But so what happens is they go to intercept this and Kyo kind of realizes like, all right, I'm fucking dead here. And Tetsuo's like, oh, fuck, I'm fucking dead here. And they just charge in like they find the time they get the tap in the car saying, get it. And they charge in, you know, not guns blazing, but they're getting shot at. They're driving. They somehow jump a vehicle, which is insane. How? Yeah, it was a crazy scene. Yeah. How did they jump it, though? Uh, Keo got freaking shot a few times. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but so on that front, their car's about to explode and Tetsuo somehow gets it going in reverse to fall off of this cliff. And when that happens, you see like three giant, I don't want to say armored vans, but they were like pretty big vehicles coming in. And who do you see behind the wheel of one of them with a gun? But the guy, I can't remember his name, but it's the Yakuza who is in charge of like Nobuto Kubo. Kubo. Yeah. So you see Kubo rolling in and you're like, oh, this is all a setup. This is get them killed, get this all cleaned up, tie up some loose ends, and then we'll go and get the money. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. I, I thought what I thought was that they were intercepting a rival Yakuza's, um, I guess, deal or whatever it is, right? And then they were going to ambush after. Um, because I was just thinking, you know, maybe they they hit them with that bill because <clears throat> they actually were losing money at the at the whorehouse. And I thought it was just kind of going back with what Kaizen said, uh, Tetsuo's wife. Like they're one organization, but they're not a monolith. So I thought. It was just other members of that Yakuza taking advantage of them. Which is kind of what you're saying as well, but I thought it was like genuinely like, yeah, you need to make us more money because she ain't hoeing right now. Yeah, I mean, I kind of got that idea too, but you know. Yeah, I guess after I saw Kubo roll up, I was like, oh, this was a fucking setup. They were throwing them in there to be the... Oh, it very well could have. To be the uh, the leading man and to go out in a blaze of glory. But one thing I will say, so 10 million yen, that's 75 grand. That was like a, that was like a third thirteen minute conversation. <laughs> hey, she she be with them high rollers. She ain't bro. cheap, boys. <laughs> she ain't cheap. See, I didn't know I didn't know how much that was in in U.S. dollars. So that what you're saying makes more sense of what I'm saying at this point. Yeah, yeah. it definitely seems like a setup. Um, but but when they're about to go, pretty much ram their vehicle and try to steal whatever they're supposed to be stealing or, or messing up, uh, Kyo says to Tetsuo, man, you, you killed her, did you killed that dude, didn't you? And he's like, What what do you mean? But they don't get to finish their conversation. But it seems like Kyo has known for at least most of the time that he definitely killed him. Did you guys think he knew that? I didn't at the time, but then when they careen off the cliff, there's a scene where Kyo has been shot and he's on his deathbed. You know, he got shot like in the chest. Yeah, he's and, talking about his mama. And Tetsuo was trying to get him down the hill to save Greenville Hospital or something. And um, he basically, Kyo to Tetsuo goes, like, you've got that eye. Like, I can see that in you. Like, you're a man who will do what you need to do. He was sure did. And it yeah. was awesome. But the episode ends in a really, really great cliffhanger where <laughs> one of the members of the rival Yakuza that was there 
starts stumbling down the hill. He's also been injured, and he sees these two. And he puts it together, and he pulls a gun. And all you hear is a gunshot, and the screen fades to black. We credits roll. So I'm really, really excited for the next episode of My Home Hero. This show has been a wild ride. Yes. They're doing great with these cliffhangers every week. I will give them that. It's been amazing so oh, far. Who y'all got? Yeah, Getting yeah, shot? Yeah. I think somebody shot that dude. You think so? That was that was about to pull yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I don't would know. It be, I would think... it be interesting if Kyo got you know finished off? That'd be That'd great be... for Tetsuo. I think so. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, before we move on, I just want to <laughs> I just want to bring up one one incredible point about this show. What did you guys think Do about it. Tetsuo's hat? <laughs> this shit was the so man corny, looked bro. like Heisen. <laughs> the man looked like Heisenberg from Breaking Bad, dude. Just to cover up his <laughs> his so Saran corny. wrap bandages he had on his head from when he got slashed last episode. I was like, this this dude's getting into the fucking character now, man. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of those bandages, bro, I didn't know what that was on his head for like the first three or four minutes of the show. <laughs> I was like, "What? Why does he have a bag on his head? Like, what? Like, it was just like so bizarre to me. I'd never That's, seen." That. Um. So when you get a, a big cut like that on your head, they'll actually put plastic on it to compress it, and it's so tight that it keeps the wound compressed. Oh, oh that makes sense. Your head does. Yeah, a lot. yeah. Okay. It's like I had no idea. What the I mean, you got on. slashed from one end of his forehead to another, so he had he had a plastic wrap on his head to keep it from bleeding. But the fact that he covered it up with his hat was so fucking awesome. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I thought yeah. that shit was bubble wrap. I thought he got a concussion or something. Bro, I, had, <laughs> I was so confused. But yeah, no, I I think uh, either Tetsuo shoots that thug or like somebody else shot that thug. I don't I don't think uh, Kyo or Tetsuo. It would be amazing uh, character growth if uh, Tetsuo actually shoots him. He's a killer. He's a killer. Oh, he is. I mean, that's 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 his second buddy. I guess you know they're gonna say. It oh, I mean, Eisen thinks there might be more than one. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> hey, there might be. Who knows? Yeah, for awesome. Real. <laughs> you guys want to jump into Hell's Paradise episode four? Oh yeah. Yeah, let's rock. Oh, this one's called Hell and Paradise. Uh, we got Gabby Maru and Sagiri. They're now faced with an ambush of insects and large deity type monsters, and must fight their way out. They get some help from a surprising set of people, but are they friends or are they foes? We uh, we actually see uh, Gabby Maru take some damage for the first time I think since he's been on the island, right? Yeah, he um, they they like fighting like some praying fish <laughs> with six hands, and it shoots like ribbons at him and, and squeezes him, and like we get a big blood puff, and I was very very surprised. I didn't know. You know, maybe he got caught off guard and he had time to harden his body. I don't know how his powers work or anything, but I was very, very surprised. And it seems like it happened pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was just kind of setting the tone for how powerful the monsters or whatever we're going to call them on this island mm. actually were. You know, I mean, it's got some like all of the designs are so crazy because they pull from like Buddhist and Taoist designs. Yep. And they're combining them, but those religions have nothing to do with each other. So it's like a super unique thing they're going with here. But yeah, the fish man, the fish man was kind of kind of scary. Yeah. I also didn't like those like big, I guess, deity type. They look like yeah, titans. Gonna I'm say. just gonna call titans. them titans, dog. <laughs> yeah. They they and like, yeah, we we saw that uh they, they were they were pressing them pretty hard. And 
Sagiri is looking kind of flimsy right now. You know, she she just has to deal with some of the bugs, and she can't even handle that really. Um, she must be flabbergasted or something, bro. I mean, I, I'd expect more out of an executioner from the uh, Azamon clan or whatever, however you say it. So. Bottom bottom tier executioner. Don't give her that much credit. No, for real. I thought they were just messing with her at first, but it seems like she really is like low tier trash. Look, if she comes, <laughs> at least in that clan, <laughs> if she comes out of this show like top notch, that's gonna be some hella character growth, and oh, I'm here for it. Oh yeah, she's gonna have to get stronger. Like she can't be stepping with uh Gabi Maru, and he because like during when he was fighting like the Titans, he was he kept having to check on her over his shoulder. And like he was kind of like having like okay like is it me just fighting or is it us fighting? He's trying to figure that out while he's getting his doing his thingy thing. You know what Definitely I'm saying? Definitely just him fighting. <laughs> oh yeah, now. we see that very clearly. <laughs> yeah, I mean we see a scene where he has to actually protect Sagiri, and he's going through in his head. He's like, I just got to focus on me. I got to focus on the monsters. I got to focus on this. I got to get through it. I got to take everything down. And then he just kind of blacks out and saves her life, which I thought was good for him. You know. His uh, his wife's shining yeah. through. Nah, he's a real one. L- low down in his in, in his heart, but he doesn't know he doesn't know yet. He's a real one. Um, and while he's fighting the, those titans, we see another like fire style move out of him. It's just, it called it Nimpo Ascetic Blaze. It's it seems like he we've only seen him use like fire type ninjutsu is what they are calling it in the show. Um, do you guys think that's the only type he can use or? You think he there, there are other types that you know like water or wind or things things like that? What do you guys think? I would about? assume there's more, but uh, I guess we're they're saving them for last, maybe, or maybe they're just gonna go off of like he's like fire type type of deal because he's uh you know got rage and shit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could Avatar be something. I was gonna say it could be something like Avatar or Naruto yeah. or or any any little any magic based ninja thing. Where you have an affinity towards a certain type of attack, so that could be it, probably. I, I mean, so, that's the so. only ascetic blaze is the only ninjutsu we've seen him use so far, really, right? Because I thought he used a different one in, in the beginning when they were in the closed space. I thought it was was it not the same name? Uh, I, I think it ended in blaze, but I don't think it was the same name. It had a longer name. I okay, thought. then yeah, but I mean, another fire move, you know, because that could just be his affinity. And what he can use. Yeah, that, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what we I was. We also seen him at. like I, uh, stick his hands in their head and like just like uh, make it explode from heat too, which I don't think that was the same move. He just didn't say the name. I don't think, right? No, I think that. Yeah, I think it's just some some. Yeah, uh, I think it's just some fire. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's, <laughs> I don't know what to call he's it. Got them Uchiha vibes. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Well, uh, so now can we can we get into my favorite character of the show so far, and probably going to be my favorite character for for the rest Talk of the me. show? Best girl. Yeah, best girl. <laughs> I don't even know how to say her name, so I'm gonna call her the purple haired chick. Oh come on, man! <laughs> I gotta I gotta sit you guys. Yazuriha. Yazuriha. Yazuriha, yeah. I gotta Bro. sit you guys down before we record and just go through all the names of you because for some for some reason you guys can't pronounce any Japanese names. You know what's crazy is like Bro, I'm struggling. Like, I've 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 like learned all the katakana and the hiragana names, I mean Japanese uh symbols and stuff and how to say them. 
But yeah, here I am. I still can't say the shit. His ears don't work, but his eyes do, folks. Hey, I just can't talk, bro. <laughs> I, you, you can call her Yuzu. Yuzu will yeah, work. That's a go, fruit. Yuzu. You should figure that one out. Yeah, Yuzu. I got Yuzu. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she's a Kanoichi. She was, she was, she was pretty fun. I thought she was hilarious. Oh, uh, she, she's, she's best girl, no doubt. One hundred percent, dude. You can like just go somewhere. We don't need her no more. She, she's like bye. soccer. We can just throw her away. She needs to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, honestly, bye. she's worth it. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> but yeah, guys, like how, how they introduced her at the very end of the fight. She pulls up with her two Yamada clan. Uh, I'm gonna call them handlers. That's really what they babysitters. are. Babysitters. Um, yeah. Babysitters, handlers, same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, she she has one of them like cut down the last Titan for. Uh, Gabi Mario, and she gets into some really serious lies, and she tries to like seduce Gabi Mario, which I thought, with how serious and how fast paced the episode was going, I thought that was really cool. She like walks up to him and starts touching him. It's like, uh, I need your help. I'm so scared, <laughs> and like it's such a terrible lie because like you you were top ten out of like a group of like fifty hardened criminals, and got selected for this, and you want me to believe. That you're scared out of your mind and you're powerless? You got two handlers with you. Like, you must be the, a real one. So what did you guys think about well, that? So before that, I loved the fact that when they're introducing the two handlers, uh, Shion and Senta, basically, Senta was her guy, you know, to babysit her. Yeah, a little chubby dude. Yeah, yeah. And Shion was actually the handler of another criminal whose name I can't remember. But basically what happened was... Yuzuriha like seduced him and then used him to experiment to figure out the how the bugs and the deities and everything operate. And that was mm -hmm. some scary fucking shit, dude. Like she tied this dude to Yo, she's low key crazy. She tied this dude to a tree to see what bugs would go after him. She waited till he was dead and saw the centipedes went after him. I was like, holy shit, this girl's smart. Yes. So the, the the thing is, she told so many lies. Do you actually think she's telling the truth about that? I think she did at the end. I think okay. at that front she did because both Senta and Shion were there. I think when she went into her backstory, that was a load of crap. Oh my god, it was so terrible. She didn't <laughs> even like have any names of villages or her sensei. She was she was on some. Yeah, bullshit. she said she was part of some clan, and Gabriel was like, "Pause. That's the wrong town for those people, homie. Like, come on." Come on. <laughs> Try harder. <laughs> I'm a ninja too. What you on right but now? Like every time she tried to seduce Gabi Maro, he just like put her on the ground and was like, no. Straight arm Straight bar. Straight arm bar to the ground. No. He's like, I have a wife. <laughs> you harlot. I'm married. <laughs> I ain't into this. What I thought was funny was like she actually uh, seduced her second handler, Shion. Yeah. Um, he tries to come up with a lie and is like, um, well, I really just thought she was too dangerous. Um, and, and once uh, she killed Moro, I was like, let me help out old Senta. So that's why I'm here. And both Sagiri yeah. and Gabi Mara were like, saw right through it immediately. And I, I got a good chuckle out of that. Oh, one. definitely, man. Because he made it seem plausible, right? And they're like, nah, he got Senta. Oh, no, definitely, like, man. I didn't think it seemed plausible. I was like, this dude just trying to look, bro. That's it. <laughs> this just dude's just trying to see what's up. <laughs> he trying to get chose. <laughs> God damn it, dude! <laughs> it was like the most unexpected, just like ten minutes of humor. I never thought we were gonna get out of this show. 
Oh, it was great. It was great. I'm glad to see that they they can like insert it in a way that's like progressing the plot too. Yeah, right? it was very it was very fitting for the situation, and it worked out so well. Yes, yes. Um, and I just want to go back a little bit, guys. So, like, like I said at the end, when Gabi Maro uh, is finishing off the Titans, and then uh, Shion kind of kills the last one. Gabi Maro gets to trying to ask them questions immediately, and then his wife's voice comes into his heart or his mind, and she's like, "We say thank you when people do things for us." <laughs> um, I, I think that's really cool to see um, that he he doesn't have any manners, and he knows he doesn't have any manners. So his wife is like still in his ear, and him having that influence, um, and we're just seeing it come out in different ways, um, and just noticing he's getting more polite and softer. And I don't know if he he knows this is happening to him or not. So it's interesting. Yeah, to see. definitely. I think in that scenario, he definitely knew because he had to think about it. But overall, I mean, him saving Sagiri was very unexpected for his character. So you're definitely starting to see it come through without him wanting it to or even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what I think as well? I think that he's trying to uh, stay uh, to keep that soft side that his wife has worked so hard to, you know, make out of him. That way when he, if and when he returns home, she won't be disappointed in him, I think. True. So I changed, baby. Yeah. I changed, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, Yuzu is kind of like telling lies and trying to seduce Gabimara, right? And then... She's like, hey, let's team up. I have some more info I can give you. Let's just team up and, and work together. Uh, we'll have two criminals and, and three of the Yamada clan. We should be able to keep ourselves safe, um, which I don't think that's what she cares about. I think she's trying to just use old boy because all she does is lie, right? Um, how do you guys think this is going to end? Oh, she's going to betray him. 100%. That's all she knows. Manipulation. True, but Gabby Morrow's really not going no. for it. He seems like he's a step ahead of her, at least right now, on, on, on pretty much everything she's saying. So I'm interested just to see how she tries to portray him and if he's ready for it. I think that's going to be a good plot point going on. Oh, I think definitely. it's going to be the humor plot point, too. Oh, yeah, she's not going to stop. She said she was just enjoying doing yeah. it. Yeah. She must like getting put in arm bars, but <laughs> hey, I'm not current yum. Hey. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah on that front i think it's either going to be something where um they run into a stronger character and she betrays him to join their side or that gabi maru mm -hmm. with his newfound soft side is going to save her and it's going to kind of give her a change of heart i don't know okay. that's oh, just kind of the two things yeah. i could think happened but they end up teaming up so we're gonna have to see where that goes but we did get one other really important piece of information in this episode so Chubei Aza is the criminal with the scars on his face. Dude goes fucking hard. And it turns out that he was caught and was being tortured by the Yamada clan to basically get information out of him or something like that. He was on executioner's row. And it turns out that his brother, Toma, infiltrated the Yamada clan and was in a month became an executioner to basically go free his brother, which I thought was crazy. That was such an unexpected yeah. twist. Yeah, and they, their characters kind of like came out of nowhere. Yeah. 
And like, what was crazy, like they gave us like their whole childhood, their whole backstory, um, which I think is more than they've given us on any other character. So we haven't seen them inter- interact with Gabimaru or Sagiri or anybody else, um, for that matter. But it seems like they're trying to set up them entering the story. It's giving me main cast vibes right now. Yeah, I almost get like antagonist vibes from those two. You think so? I think so. I think hmm. it's going to be Gabimaru and him going at it for the elixir of life. And then there is okay. a third okay. leg there with uh, Tamiya Gantetsuai who is the dragon swordsman. And we got a little backstory on him too. Basically, he's such a badass, he got hired by a nobleman. And the nobleman was like, you're not a dragon, you've never killed a dragon. And then he goes, he's just hammered, and goes and slices the dragon in the, in the front of his entire estate, which I thought was hilarious. But we got a little backstory on him yeah. too. I'm not sure if he killed anybody there. I, I don't think they got into it, but... I don't think so. It didn't seem like it. I think he just disrespected somebody. I guess that's why he's in jail, man. (laughs) 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 But like, those are kind of like the three key groups. I think we're going to see going forward. I mean, the giant's still out there, but I don't know how it's all going to come together. If they're going to keep introducing more characters back into it. But like, those could be three really good groups to follow in this show. I think so. Um, The uh, blade dragon guy, uh, Tamiya, I didn't, I didn't connect too much with his character so far. I thought his his backstory was a little bit bland. Um, because like you said, he just cut a sign down at somebody's house, just pretty much just disrespected somebody. But uh Asa and, and Toma's backstory was it was it was really vis uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm I'm having a hard time with words Did right it. now, obviously. Visceral. 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 Um because they were kids and then you know they, their parents got killed and the big skill that, that Asa learned was adaptability. And he was pretty much just taking care of Toma his whole his whole life, their whole childhood growing up. And then he ends up being the leader of like bandits in the woods um, after they pretty much kidnap him. And they like him so much. And over time, he like charms them into into becoming their leader. So that was something I thought was a lot cooler than uh, Tamiya's backstory. Um, and it kind of made me root for those guys. So I would hate to, to see them become villains. You know what I'm saying? Or like antagonist, but we'll see. Definitely, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see where the next episode goes. The show has just been electric so far. Like it has been like probably it's like Mashal's the most fun, but this is probably the best show of this season. I think that we've been watching. It's got a lot of potential. Uh, I can agree with that. Yeah, a lot of potential. Oh yeah, it has so many places it can go. But awesome. How do go? You got you got a little more. Yeah, I I wanted to make one last point is because Asa has no intentions of bringing back the elixir of life. No. He wants him and his brother to drink it or take it or whatever they need to do and become immortal themselves. I love that energy. So that's going to be a great plot. I love and that energy. See, oh, yeah. He's like, fuck this, man. Like, what are we going to make somebody else immortal for? We can do it ourselves. Yeah, we're immortal. We don't need a pardon. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> I'll just outlive you, bro. Chill. <laughs> Well, yeah. awesome. Do you guys want to chill it down a little bit with our next show? Yeah, chillax. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. So we're going to head into Insomniac's After School, which is the high dive show we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. So this episode was called Hot. I'm really confused where all the Latin and German names, I think, are coming from with this one, but we're going to roll with it. <laughs> do we know what that means? Do you, do you know? I do not. No. Oh, okay. 
But so basically, uh, they submit the club application, it gets approved, but now they got to figure out how to become an official club. So our main characters go on a journey to find the Astronomy Club alumni, Yui. It's pretty bad that there's only a one, one alumni for this entire Astronomy Club that they know of, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, there's a reason for that, a, though. We can get into it in a, a minute. It's a science high school, too. So, like, it's crazy. Yeah, but I went and Googled what Fomahawk means, and it's actually the brightest star in the southern constellation of Pisces. Oh, that's cool. The southern. Oh, that's probably the yes. one they're taking a photo of. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, we're, we're getting hey, smarter. Hey, hey. <laughs> we're learning. We're, we're learning. This is... So the episode starts off with, you know, the club gets approved, all that good stuff, and then they have their first formal meeting. Um, basically, it is Magari, Nakami, Shiromaru, Actually, no, they go meet. They go meet Yui first, right? Yeah. Uh, OK, sorry. Yeah, they go meet Yui first yeah. at, at the at the very beginning. They're putting in the application to become right. A club. And then they get told to go meet Yui. Yeah, because she was like, I yes, have no idea they... what the club's supposed to do, but you got to do something to keep the club active. So you got right, to show you they, they have to like. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they pretty much have to like go compete for funding and if they don't show like a game plan for what they're going to do um they're going to get defunded and they're going to get kicked out of the observatory yes there we go okay now i'm back in the timeline <laughs> got you bro i got so you. basically after that um the teacher who's actually the school nurse uh kurashiki who uh basically is like hey here's the contact information for one of the alumni of the astronomy club Go find her. Here's her address. And they go on a little adventure and it was really fun. So they hop on a train. They go to who knows where. It's where the rice paddies are. And they start the, mid <laughs> the middle of <laughs> They go to Bumfuck. <laughs> and they walk for what seems like miles and miles and miles. And yeah, because it starts getting a little darker. As yeah, I mean, they got there like right after school. And by the time they get there, it's pretty dark. And um, yeah, man. So probably a couple hours, but they end up going to this strange-looking building that's a cat in the door. So we're back to the cats. The show loves cats. I don't blame them. <laughs> and they walk in, and it's like uh, an arcade bar kind of thing. Because they're, she like Yui runs into them. She's like, what are a couple high schoolers doing here? Like, what, what are you doing here? Where do you think you are? Yeah, like, yeah. where do you think you are? And then she realizes that it's the students. She's like, oh, come with me. And they do the whole introduction. And she's basically the lone alumni of the astronomy club from when she was there. <laughs> and her thing was, is like, oh, yeah, the astronomy club was great because it was just me and it was my own little hangout. And it's kind of the same vibe that our MCs are going for with this thing. You know, they're looking for a place to nap. She was yes. looking for a place to chill. I'm like, all right, astronomy club sounds pretty cool, you know? It does. It does. Uh, Yui actually says that. The club used to be mostly, I think she said, uh, second and third years, which was a grade older than her when she joined. But they all left. And so she was ended up being alone. And I, I could think of a reason why that happened. Because later in the episode, she says it's it's the, uh, what's she called? The peeping the, club? Oh, or the, the peeping the tower? club, yeah. They're the peeper club because you have to learn how to use the telescope while you're at school. And to learn how to do that, you have to find things to focus on and they were using like the other students like at recess and shit like that yeah. so i could see why people wouldn't want to be in the fucking peeper club oh so. definitely man <laughs> <Hey, yo. laughs> 
But basically yeah. what happens is so Yui sees uh, Nakami's camera and is like, oh, that's a really nice camera. Do you know how to use it? And he has no fucking clue what he's doing. She starts talking about ISO for lighting adjustments, uh, the F-rate, whatever that is, for like setting up how much light exposure you get, and then everything else. And she's like, oh, I gotta figure, show you guys how to use a goddamn camera, don't I? <laughs> Speaking of which, Dan, you own a DSLR camera, I do. Right? I do. I don't yeah. know what any of that stuff does. Uh, okay, yeah, I had to ask because I was like, is this real? Or are they just making shit no, up? Um, yeah, so ISO is your light exposure. So if I switch my ISO on my camera, I would basically just be super whited out right now because it would bring okay, more, okay, it'd be bringing okay. more light or less light in. So I'd either get really dark or really white because it mm -hmm. like actually affects your light input on the camera. But the rest of the stuff, I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I haven't used it besides taking pretty photos in Hawaii, so... <laughs> Uh, understood understood yeah i was i was wanting to know if i was getting some educate uh, no yeah right i literally here. am walking out of this i know how to take pictures of the sky now baby this is huge yeah that's yeah. dope which i would like to do that actually sounds really fun and that's another thing i liked about this they actually she actually went through and explained it and explained what it actually meant and stuff so i feel like anybody with uh money to blow and time to kill could actually go do this and yeah, be if any decent at it yeah, secondhand cameras are the way, folks. Trust me. Don't buy it new. Yes, they last a very, very long time. <laughs> but yeah, going back, um, just by default, uh, while they're in the application process, Nakami ends up being the president. Uh, just because uh, Magari um, is in another club. Did y'all, you guys th thought that was fair? Think he, think he should be president? Think he can handle it? Well, I, don't, I don't know why... You know, her being in a swimming club has anything to do with her being president in that club. Like that—that's the whole point about like you're supposed to be able to juggle that. I—I I feel like that should have been a uh, um, internal discussion, I guess, um, instead of a uh, just a, a you're gonna be it. It just felt like they was just you know doing it well, as they wanted to. I don't know. I think it was something that like he would have the time to focus on it and actually do the job because she was busy with another club. But it's also this weird thing where I've noticed in anime where in Japanese high schools, everybody's required to be in one club. Like, have you guys noticed that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have noticed that with a bunch of and, different anime. So I think that's like a, I think that's an actual thing. And it's like, usually it's only one club. Like you're not in two. Unless you're like uh, student mm, camp. That is true. Stuff, yeah. Think, that's not a club though. But um, I thought that was interesting. And I do understand why they made him it. And I think that, Kurashiki here might have some ulterior motives, maybe getting our boy Nakami out of his shell a little bit and giving him some responsibility would be a great growth point for him. Well, I see. I think so. I think so. He, he seemed to be liking the responsibility, too. After a while, we get towards the end of the episode and he's like really excited. He's like, this is going to be a lot of work, but I, it's something I want to do. Um, they stay up all night, so... Why not take pictures of the stars while we're at it? Give us our sims actually something to do instead of just walking around town in the in the darkness. Well, now they got an out if they get pulled over by the cops, dude. <laughs> True. <laughs> no more hiding from the cops. So do y'all liked it? Do y'all liked it? Um, they went away from just uh, lollygagging around the streets and actually having like a thing to do at night now. A purpose for the entire show? Yeah, I like that. There's a purpose now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a purpose before Dude, I it was, the same it was way. a rob gob they just gonna get together bro no, their purpose was to go to bed dude shut up <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, it, it, it gives me like a, a, a reason to like pay attention um, and, and want to keep watching it. And just, you know, there's going to be actually actually some development and a goal that they can achieve. Yeah. Now. So that's what made this episode. This episode actually just made the show for me because like on, up until this one, I've been like, all right, what's going to happen? Get to the point here. It's been like three or four episodes now. Come on, guys. And now we have an end goal is basically to enter a photo of the sky and astronomy astrophotography is what they called it yeah the star so, club bro <laughs> starry night photos yeah so basically to enter this photo into a national high school competition so they have a goal and if they do that they're basically guaranteed funding if they win something and it looks like there's different levels and all that kind of stuff so now they have a goal which will help them solve their problem of potentially losing the observatory to hang out in and i really enjoyed the introduction of yui because now they actually have a mentor who knows what they're talking about. And it's not just a school nurse like, oh, yeah, astronomy, go have fun. Here's a here's a kid's telescope. Good luck. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. So we got we have like a uh, we're growing our cast, our main characters, and we have a purpose. That's all I was really looking for. Um, we thought it was going to be about ghosts or something, but that's not it. But that's OK. I think that's OK now. Um, I was just wondering, like, like Dan said, where this was all going. Yeah. Yeah, because if we didn't have, if I watch any show and it's got no point besides potentially two people ending up by the end of it, you know, I'm not going to keep watching it. So I'm glad that we have a a goal in mind now and we can actually see characters develop and learn new skills. You know, usually the skills we see are people learning how to box. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, and I'm all taking photos is a nice change of pace, you know. It is. It is. So another big thing about this uh, um, thing is it seems that they're going to be very busy in their chillax spot. And do you think they'll have any time left over to sleep now? Now that they're going to be like extremely busy with club activities and such? Club activities don't start till the nighttime, baby. They got a nice nap period in there. Oh, yeah. They just want to keep the observatory. I think they can do that. Maybe, I... maybe they'll be sleeping at night at some point. Maybe they'll just be too tired to, you know. Wouldn't that? Suck? I wish I. <laughs> I wish that's how insomnia worked, dude. Trust me. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But so I think. But yeah, I think that they, they have to learn how to use the telescope at some point, and they're gonna have to do that during the day. So they're gonna have less time to nap for sure. Yeah, I think I'm really excited to see though where Yui comes into this because honestly, that scene where she went camping and just like broke out her old camera. And was taking some really beautiful pictures and she was out there making pancakes and everything else. Like, oh, this is a good ass scene, man. I fuck with this. This is a vibe I would. Yeah, that was dope. This is a vibe that I can really get down with right here. That looks so peaceful. I've seen a lot of uh, comparisons and like the comments of Malice of like a uh, Yuru camp. I I know y'all don't know about that, but it's it's like a few girls doing cute things like uh, camping edition. So... And okay. it was like kind of educational type deal with camps and stuff. And it was like, it reminded me of Yuru camp, you know, what uh, Yui was doing and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. And um, who knows, by the end of this, I've been for a long time debating getting, getting a telescope. Oh. Um, because last year when Venus was as close as it's going to be for a few hundred years, I went out into the middle of nowhere in a field and looked at it. And it kind of inspired me. Uh. A little bit to want to go look at more uh heavenly bodies so this is actually really cool for me yeah i'm actually really starting to dig this show now that i know what it's going to be about 
you're, are you going to invite some heavenly bodies to your viewing of the heavenly bodies if you're picking up what I'm putting down? I mean, naturally, bro. Naturally. <laughs> Going back to my old ways. The Riz is unparalleled, folks. <laughs> Space Riz. <laughs> well, yeah. But awesome. Yeah, so we get to the end of the episode and they have their meeting that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode because my timeline was all in a, in in a in a in turmoil. But uh so basically they came up with their plan for how they're going to fund the camp or the club, not the camp. You got me talking about camps now. <laughs> and um so the Perseid meteor shower is going to be in August. So their plan is to basically set up a watch party for this on the school roof. And invite everybody. And I think that's a really fun idea. And I think when it all comes together, it'll be really, really cute. So I think I think that'll be yes. like the this show's definition or episode of like um uh the firework, uh the classic firework uh episode, you know. I think I think we're yeah. gonna see a little bit of a uh um Dude, if development. We go th- uh, definitely, <laughs> but if we go through a slice of life summer summer month months and we don't see fireworks i'm gonna be kind of let down because that is that's all they got going for them man that's what they do well we're gonna get a beach <laughs> scene soon uh did y'all see that i think great no great i, I love high schoolers and beaches pause pause yeah classics you know you got the beach scene first usually then the fireworks but i think maybe the firework is going to oh, get replaced by the the night watch thing or whatever so yeah, I think that's going to be really I think dope. that's when the relationship's going to come together. This thing you've been talking about hey, the whole damn time. Spicy. No, it'd be like one, one peck on the cheek, dude. No, it's, a, it's this, is a, <laughs> Low spice. this is definitely a slow burn. <laughs> so it's going to take a while. Hey, man. That's yes, going to be the finale, I feel like. Is that happening in the club? Yeah. Like them winning something? Like right at the end. So it's, it's kind of sucks because we know where it's going now. And it, the ending is so easy to guess, but we'll have to see how it goes. It's about the journey to get there, not the. Not the how, the how, you know, what happens. You know what I mean. (laughs) But yeah. Right. You boys ready for the next? Yeah. You want to get us into Demon Slayer, Bass? Yeah, sure. So this is Demon Slayer, season three, episode three, called A Sword from Over 300 Years Ago. So the summary is, after discovering the 300-year-old sword is rusted, Hazakan... Oh my God! Not again! Hagazen, uh, Haganazuka, Haganazuka. Thank you, Dan. Again, <laughs> uh, goes off to polish it. Uh, meanwhile, Tenjiro tries to become friends with Ginya, but little do they know, there's some surprise visitors in the Swordsmith Village. So the episode starts, and they unsheath the sword. Uh, Tenjiro is really, really excited to see the sword, and he expects it to be nice and shiny and clean. Um. Kotetsu understands that it's been inside of a doll for 300 years and it will be rusted. He says, oh, I shouldn't have gotten you so hyped up. Uh, It's obviously going to have to be polished. No one's taking care of it. And Mr. Haganetsu comes in. (laughs) Haganazuka comes in. I didn't recognize him. I don't know if you guys did, but he is swole now. Man's been training and putting in the work, pumping iron like he's mash. I was like, no. And he's like, I will take I care of it. I was like, no way. Uh, Inosuke came up here and put a swordsmith mask on, bro. No way. <laughs> and grew four feet. <laughs> I was so hyped when you just saw him 
coming out of the woods and he's just absolutely ripped i was like yes he's been he's he's ready to make a new sword but now he found his new challenge yes he's got to polish it um which is apparently a very strenuous job it takes three days and three nights so while tanjiro is waiting on that uh he he goes back to uh, i guess their lodge at the swordsmith village and is bothering ginya and ginya's like why you know why are you taking this interest in me um leave me alone and tanjiro actually has one of his <laughs> teeth from when it got knocked out at the uh at the uh, um what do you call those things the springs right the, the hot springs and he's like, bro, why did you, why did you, why are you bringing this to me? Why did you pick this up off the <laughs> More ground? More importantly, hey, though, how did Genya get his tooth back? Is this like in One Piece where they just chug milk and they grow teeth? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he just put it back and he stuck that sucker no, back. No, he had it. In his, he had it in his mouth before Tanjiro <laughs> oh, gave him the yeah, tooth. Like, it makes, yeah. He, he's got to have some weird ass healing powers, dude, because frankly, you only get two teeth. Like, you know, in, you know that definitely wasn't a baby tooth. The dude's like 15. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a late bloomer i don't fucking know <laughs> but yeah no that is a good point that is a great point um but he's never getting us having none of this um he's like dude screw off i don't like you you're fucking weird you picked up my tooth off the ground don't blame him don't blame him. <laughs> you don't want your tooth bass uh, there's there's somebody knocked it out or it got knocked out no nah, bro Brother, i put that under your pillow no. put that under your pillow it's a dollar dude oh, and when the inflation that's probably like a dollar 75 these days kids are probably getting 10 don't get me started on the fucking kids are probably bro. getting 10 dollar bills under their pockets these days dude parents are soft inflation is crazy as well <laughs> but uh i'm not gonna get started on the tooth fairy i got some problems with her she owes me money yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but uh so it goes on and um they actually meet up with a uh, miss hashira tokito and he comes in and he's asking hey where where's the your swordsmith um i got a new one and we need to go find them and tanjiro says oh our swordsmiths are actually together polishing my sword and we actually cut to Toki uh tokito's swordsmith coming from the hot springs and he gets ambushed by our guy Kyoko 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 the okay I was looking for upper, upper demon number five who lives in the pot yes yes and he comes out of the pot and tries to eat his flesh and he's like ew that doesn't taste very good wow were you guys like kind of surprised that they pulled up at the swordsmith village Bro, we're on episode three I wouldn't expect to see these dudes until like episode five or six. Yeah. On episode three. I definitely was really hyped that they pulled up that early. Um, I'm not, I have no idea how they found out where the swordsmith village arc is, or the swordsmith village. <laughs> We're all struggling is, with our words right now. Um, okay, so like that is something I feel like they're going to get into down the line. But the fact that, you know, Upper upper rank demons, they got they got the specific taste, dude. They gotta be killing Hashira and shit. They gotta be killing them strong soldiers to get that good meat, you know? Yeah, he said it was unfit. It was disgusting, but he wanted to try it anyway. Yeah. Old savage ass boy. I think boy. they actually referenced how they found out. I think it was the information that uh one of them had. I don't know how he got it. Uh that they was talking about in the um Infinity Castle, remember? Yeah, so they reference it. In yeah. episode one, they don't really. Well, they reference it again. Uh, the vase guy, I'm pretty sure he was like, Well, no, it might have been the uh, scared guy. He was like, Well, thanks to uh, thanks to uh, so and so's uh, 
uh, information, we found it or something like that while he's on the roof scurrying around crying. Yeah, so Gyoko had the information that was laid out yeah. in episode one, and then they just, I didn't think they were going to pull up, like you said, this soon. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy, which means we're going to have an action-packed season going forward. Because, like, you can't do this and then have it peter off at episode seven, then just do another healing no, and training no, montage. Intense, man. I think it's going to be very, very intense throughout the entire season. Um, but then, Hatengu, the upper rank four, that scared, ugly-looking motherfucker with the bulbo on his head, <laughs> Pulls up straight to the Miss Hashira and Tanjiro off rip and just walks in the fucking door. Crawls, undetected. Believe, didn't he? Don't he crawl? Yeah, he, he like <laughs> crawls in. He's crying. He's like, oh no, what's <laughs> happening? And they attack him and he's super quick. And then they cut off his head. But he's like a Hydra and he splits into two, which I did not see coming. I thought it was really cool. One, like you guys said, that they pulled up to the Swordsmith Village just quickly. And then they made no, they wasted no time just getting right to the action. And so Hatengu actually splits, like I said, in two. And he gets way more powerful because he was doing nothing but dodging. And I think he was trying to actually get hit. Yeah, he's, I think he was baiting. It, it felt like he was baiting. But now he's not, he's, instead of crying and being a coward, basically, he's like very aggressive now, his two forms. And he's still, you know, trying to, like, push. He's just pushing them like crazy, uh, trying to make them fight him still. Yeah, so he's letting them cut him up. And we kind of figure out, like, inside of his own body, he has, like, different personalities with different names. And they all have different abilities. Like, one can fly, has wings. The other one has, like, a, a sage staff that's, like, electric. And he actually ends up pushing Kotetsu Kotitu, out of the village, like very, very far. So it's up to Tanjiro and Ginya to defend themselves and Nesuko. And Tanjiro ends up saying to Nesuko, don't transform, you'll start rampaging again. Were you guys surprised by that at all? No, definitely not, man. I mean, like, in the sense of he's only seeing her do this once and she went on a, on a, you know, on a rage, she yeah, she went out. full berserk yeah, mode. I mean, out. he's gonna be terrified if it happened again, especially with uh, the boy there. Yeah, with the Mistasha there, who will just take her down in an instant, and that's the last thing he wants because his goal is to save his sister. Um, but mm-hmm. like going back to Atangu, dude, just seeing him with all the, like the split personalities. Like, I, have you ever seen the movie Split? I haven't. It's basically, no. it just dives into multiple multiple personality disorder. The dude's a nutcase. And he has like seven different personalities or something like that. And that's the vibe I'm getting from this. You know, it's like very bizarre how each one is different. Each one has a different personality tattooed on their tongue. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. One's like joy. One's anger. Joy, anger, rage, fear is who uh, Hatangu has. So it's like really interesting to see where this is going. I did not expect that at all. At all. Me and either. which is really good. I I thought it was really creative how they made his power. Definitely, and I think it's gonna be really fun to see where the fight goes in that sense. But how'd you guys feel about Genya pulling out the little double barrel shotgun pistol? <laughs> Bro, who, who who I had I didn't know I had no idea they had guns. Oh, homie's <laughs> got in this homie's, universe. Homie's got a sawed off Nichiren shotgun, dude. Like that's fucking awesome. Wow, wow. Yeah, no, that was sick. But he kind of got pieced up really quick 
Hey, oh. we we gonna hope that he's got some kind of healing capabilities because my man's needs it right now. He needs it. Yeah, he got impaled really, really quickly. <laughs> this dude oh, is down bad. It was just so crazy how fast this season's been turned up to eleven, and like just showing how powerful these two upper ranked demons are. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried for the Swordsmith Village right now, dude. This is gonna be some scary shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's not a lot of fighters there. Um. So you get the Miss Hashira. You have uh, Tanjiro, oh, yeah. Nezuko. There. Do you guys think they're gonna need some reinforcements, or you think that this is just gonna be it? Love, 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 girl. Mits, uh, Mits love left. Didn't is she? that her name? I think. I think. I think. Yeah, she's I think you're right about that. Today, I, I don't know. If she, I don't know if she left or if she was just somewhere else at that time. But did it say she left? Off. She's probably. I don't think so. I think she's uh um exploring something close by or something i don't know i forget what she said i think she's like really close i believe okay. god yeah i think they're gonna need some reinforcements they need they need the, uh hatengu is going nuts they right need now. the sun right now to get some time to breathe man because <laughs> boy he's got hit hard like and, i have no idea how they're gonna make it out of this one i'm really excited for next week yeah, likewise, likewise. And right before they actually get in, get attacked, just going back a little bit, Tanjiro tell, uh, well, I guess uh, the Mishashira asked Tanjiro, is like, you know, why do you care so much about other people? Why do you care about helping them? And Tanjiro says back to him, you know, when you do things for other people, it actually helps yourself. It comes back to you. And he's never thought this way at all you can tell he's concerned about himself and his objectives and that's it he could give a damn about everybody else um it's not malicious he just has a one-track mind but when he's running back after getting knocked out of the village by i don't know a mile it, it was a long ass ways right he's running back and he sees a child getting attacked by a demon of some was sort it, not uh, it wasn't like a man it was kotetsu yeah oh it was yeah, yeah so kotetsu is getting attacked by this CGI koi fish monster. <laughs> and Tokito just sees it and he's like, nah, I gotta go for the big fish. No pun intended. <laughs> I gotta go save the village. That's more important. This boy isn't gonna, you know, he's not a top tier swordsmith. We need those, not him. But then he remembers what Tanjiro says and he basically zip zaps, turns around real quick and just slices this fish's arm off to same Kotetsu and then he just takes it down. Um, which is really good character growth for him so fast, you know? And it was in an episode that his whole persona just grew. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he needs that. I think this could actually make him stronger in the long run. Um, because, I mean, being a demon slayer is about protecting people. I think at the end of the day, uh, the Hashira and the, and, and the swordsmen obviously have their own objectives in their own lives, but just to be able to understand, you know, this that's truly your job is to take care of everyone that can't take care of themselves is, 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 is great that he's learning that. Definitely, man. How'd you guys feel about the uh, CGI koi fish monster? <laughs> I thought it was a hilarious visual myself. I thought it was weird, bro. I mean, you could definitely tell it was CGI and stuff. It wasn't, like, bad, though, I don't think. Um, but... I would rather them like uh, save the good shit for what we're fixing to see. Obviously, they need to save money somewhere, so you know. Well, I think the CGI—they got a big. Budget. I was gonna say, I think the CGI was needed there for like that design. Um, and honestly, Demon Slayer does a great job of using CGI. They don't make it look too outlandish, 
And like while it did not necessarily fit with the whole vibe of the fight and like the characters, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell. Like you looked at it and you're like, bro, it's just weird. Like it looks weird, acts yeah. weird. But you go back but... to Mugen Train where the whole um the demon was all CGI and stuff, and that still fit the vibe. You know, they do a good job of kind of intertwining CGI into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's our whole thing with the animation for the series. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that's kind of upset that they use CGI like that, uh, but oh well. Yeah, there there were people flaming him on Twitter for it. And then there were people um, defending him at the same really? time. Yeah, I thought it was a little it was a oh little much. God. It's Twitter. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's it, that's that's the slums of social media right there. Damn my hero stands. <laughs> Uh-oh. Awesome. Uh anything else you guys want to cover for Demon Slayer? I mean, it was just a really action-packed episode, so like besides talking about the characters, like you just got to go watch it. We can't explain what happened. It was so fast paced and action. You just got to go watch it, man. Yeah. Yes. Antengu is is a fucking problem. So enjoy, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Should we get into the old one piece? Yeah. Set us off, Tyler. Uh, So this one is uh, called Zoro Faces Adversity, a monster. King the Wildfire. So, Onigashima is steadily nearing the flyer capital. On it, many fierce battles are taking place, and it looks like Zoro is actually in a lot of trouble. And we're seeing him uh, doubting his uh, win, like, doubting that he can win right now. And he's also having a lot of trouble with Enma as well, we see. And um, it's, it's crazy, too, because every time Enma acts up, we we hear the Shamasun playing, or Zoro does. Uh, I'm assuming it's connected somehow. Do y'all, do y'all have any ideas, like, thoughts on why it's connected? Yeah, so um, Enma was the sword that Kozuki Odin passed down to Hiyori. And Hiyori not being, you know, a warrior, she probably played the Shamasun around a lot, is my idea. Okay. And that when... Enma is it was obviously a cursed sword at this point, you know, based on what we're seeing here. Um, here's that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it gets a power up thinking of Kazuki Odin or something like that. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That's kind of what makes sense in my opinion, you know? It makes it react, I guess. Uh. Yeah, he said, I, I, yeah, I, that's what I think as well. Um, he's sapping all Azuril's power out of him. He's activating, right? Um, and probably because Kazuki Odin could have handled that very, very easily. I, you know, Odin's top, top tier was one of the strongest people alive during his lifetime. Um, but Zoro's probably not quite there yet. Um, and I don't think I don't think he is, but um it's weird seeing Zoro doubting himself so much. He's usually very, very confident. Um, even if he's put into a corner, he's like, I can still do this, but his sword is fighting him. He's thinking about back uh, uh about his other swords and how they're cursed, and he's like, I think he's concerned about dying. Uh, Zoro seems like he's he's freaking on pack watch right now. It, it, it's it's not great. Um, he's not in a good situation. He doesn't understand King's power because uh, what King d- makes like an explosion at one point, and Zoro's like, was that a suicide? Bomb? Did he just try to suicide bomb me? And I think we all know that that that's not that's not the case. Yeah, definitely. This episode is the first one where we learn that King is Lunarian, which is the basically an ancient race that lived on top of the red line. And they were revered as gods. So he's like the last Lunarian in the One Piece world. 
which is why he has all these crazy firepowers and everything like that. So we learned that this episode when Queen says it. Um, but one thing I really, really liked is how with all the issues with the Enma, Zoro, like you said, starts thinking back to Kitetsu. And I loved the flashback they put in there because it kind of set the tone of like Zoro doesn't need to be afraid of cursed swords. Like his luck is greater than a curse. And I think that's why they showed that, you know, because when he goes back and they show ah. Kitatsu, he th that's the scene where he's in the shop with Tashigi and he throws a sword in the air to sticks his arm out, which we resaw in this in this episode. And mm -hmm. I really like them going back to it because they reanimated it. And I thought they did a really good job with it. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. Yeah, I thought the animation was awesome. It's, it's cool seeing the flashbacks in like the updated style. Yeah, and it's nice to see a flashback instead of reaction shots. <laughs> Speaking of like, uh, oh my god, yeah, there were hardly any reaction yeah, shots. I enjoyed that. Uh, speaking of like, how we found out like, uh, the king of Zonarian, uh, Queen actually tells Sanji, and it, he had me cracking up because, uh, he, Queen, Queen was going crazy on just hopping King up, remaining survivor Lunarians, uh, long enough, long ago known as God, gods, and Sanji just straight up says, Well, then. Why did they become extinct then? And I'm just like, bro, he hit him with that, bro. Yeah, Sanji was talking his shit. Hey, man, world government's scary, dude. Don't even, don't even fret on that. <laughs> that means. But it, it was cool to hear him say, like, you know, they're vulnerable. They can be killed. Yeah. There's only one left, so we can handle that for him. And also, we'll finish Sanji the job. got his back. You know, Zoro might not believe in himself right now, but Sanji believes in him. That's that's I love to see that. So, oh, definitely, man. It's good to see the straw hats. Like you know, deep down, knowing that they're the you know they're gonna be the crew of the pirate king. Like that's who we are. That's what we are. And you know, we gotta we gotta act like it, which I really like. Yes, sir. Yeah. But yeah, we also saw uh, Zoro attack King in a multitude of ways, but he actually used Death Lion Song, one of his most powerful moves, and. Normally, he cuts people right in half with that. And kind of just, you know, we get the, get the cut scene where he's not looking back. He's resheathing the sword and the other person drops. And King just tanks it and immediately starts attacking. And it scares the shit out of Zoro. He's like, that, that didn't do anything to him? Um, I think King was just like being, like in this episode, King was being straight up disrespectful to Zoro the whole time, bro. Like he straight up disrespected him the whole time, especially when he was like, Bro, you got one free shot. Do what you can. And like that's it's just disrespect all over Zoro right now. Like I I, I hope that we see Zoro show him what's up. Show him why he's number two on the Straw Hat Pirates pretty soon. So Yeah. I don't I don't know how he's gonna do it, but uh, he'll he'll pull something. Oh out. definitely, man. I'm sure. Ah, it's one piece. There's gonna be an ass pull coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you already know. You already know it. <laughs> So that was that was really like the highlight of this episode was, you know, all the Zoro. It was a Zoro episode episode through and through. And um, we got some other stuff going on, though. So basically, you know, it, we last saw Robin and Brooke on the head of Fuwa, the giant number. <laughs> and um, the CP0 agents were basically engulfed in Kazembu, the fire spirit. I don't know what we were calling them. Let's just cut. Yeah, yeah apparition spirit, spirit is, is fine. Yeah, and um, these dudes just walk out of a burning building unscathed. 
And that's just some scary that's shit, just impressive, bro. man. CP0 ain't nothing to fuck with. No, not at all. And, you know, once they come out of, like, the burning, you know, um, Robin, Brooke, they're like, no, we're getting, getting the fuck out of here. Go. Fuck this. <laughs> and, but Apu, running his fucking mouth like he does, being a dummy, is like, oh, I'm getting pictures of you guys. These headlines are going to go crazy. And one of the CP0 agents, Gernika, actually just pokes him in his neck. <laughs> they do their little jet, uh, their pistol finger thing, and uh, Apu goes down pretty quickly. Yeah, man. I, I love how I, I was, it was good for me to see Apu get disrespected again. I don't think anybody likes him or respects him at all. So that was awesome to see. Oh, definitely, man. The fact that he brought up that he was going to sell the pictures to Big News Morgan, I was like, you're a fucking <laughs> idiot, dude. He's going to die in a hole somewhere, man. I, yeah. I was so happy, I thought that, bro. I was like, they they just killed Apu. Hopefully we don't have to hear him no more. Yeah, of course he's not dead, though. No. No, no. They actually go to attack ex-Drake, and Apu gets an attack off and kind of disrupts everything. And I was like, damn it, he's still fucking alive. Yeah, like, shit. He yeah. I, knock one of them down, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Um, but what I was surprised about was the CP0 agents going to attack X-Drake. Um, they said something about him getting too deep into this, but did you guys really understand why they started attacking him? Yeah, I mean, so CP0 is directly under the world government. And right. the fact that he saw them there is a problem from what I understand. Because the Marines don't need to oh, know that CP0 is in Kaido's true. castle. So if he goes back to S.W.O.R.D. and Garp and everybody like that, like that's going to be some some pretty disturbing news to hear um, for S.W.O.R.D. and Marines, you know? Understood. Understood. But they wouldn't be able to do anything about it anyway, would they? I mean, Garp I mean, can do whatever he wants, man. It, Garp's, the, Garp's the king. Strongest Marine. <laughs> Even in his old age. Uh, yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I didn't put that together, but that that makes perfect sense. Definitely, man. Speaking Ray, of, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Speaking of CP Zero, I fucking love Maha's design, dude. With that round mask, he's got to hold up the whole time. Things drip. Oh yeah, no, it's dope. It is quite dope. It is quite dope. But was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about for the episode? It was that's pretty much summed it up to me. Um, yeah, I'd like to get into the end. So. During Zoro's swords flashbacks, he basically remembers he's talking to the old man, the swordsmith in um, Wano, um, who created the Kitetsu blades. Oh, and he's yeah. like, you probably recognize something with Wato Ichimari and Enma. And Zoro kind of didn't pick it up, but they're made by the same legendary swordsmith. Yeah. Whose name is just uh, escaping my brain right now. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all good, it's brother. From uh, Wano, somebody from Wano. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, all the good swordsmiths are from Wano. It's like Fuka. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but basically, he's like, "How did this sword end up in the remote region of the East Blue?" And we get some like flashbacks from Zoro's childhood, where he sees an old samurai swordsmith in the East Blue. And so, I think we're gonna get some more Zoro backstory here, which I'm really excited for. I always thought that Wano was gonna be Zoro's arc, you know. Yeah, I could definitely. I, I was definitely picking up on that early uh, once we understood what Wano was, and it was like a lot of uh, samurai there. So that fits his his uh, his style. His I think, and I'm excited to see 
and learn more about Zoro, right? I think he's my favorite One Piece character. Um, my favorite straw hat. He's he's uh, the, the best number two there is to me. Um, so yeah, it's going to be great. Um, fucking awesome stuff. Definitely, man. Well, guys, appreciate everybody hanging out for this week's weekly rundown, episode 12. Once again, you know, hop in the Discord. Let us know if you're hanging out on High Dive watching those shows because, like I said, we just want to make sure that we're talking about content that you guys actually know what's going on with. Um, linktree.com slash anime degens will get you there. You can join the Discord. You can just check us out on socials. Tyler's been putting out some hilarious shorts. Bangers. Absolute banger shorts. So uh, check us out on those two, and we'll catch you on Thursday for the good old degenerate episode of the Anime Degens podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye.